so short up here. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, I might have to tippy toes, so bear with me. Hi, everyone. My name is Katie, and I have been... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> um, my name is Katie, and I've been a very grateful member of Al-Anon since October 8th of 2010. Um, my husband and I live in northern Kentucky, um, Cold Spring. It's right over the river from Cincinnati. Um, and my home group is the Friday night first meeting. Um, I always tell everyone I act... Oops. I'm not nervous, I promise. <laughs> I just act like it. <laughs> um, I kind of stumbled into Al-Anon, and so that's how I always start... My, my leads, um, but really, when I say that, now that I look back, it's, it wasn't an accident at all. Um, but before I start, I want to thank the board for their hospitality. I want to thank Marlene for asking us to speak. Um, you know, when she asked us to speak, I was like, oh, of course, no big deal, and then the closer it got, I was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is a big deal. Um, but everybody has been so kind and generous and... Um, it feels like one big giant family. So thank you guys so much, and thanks for coming this morning. Um, but anyway, I, you know, I, I like to start off by saying I grew up in a normal family. I don't know what normal means. I thought it was normal. Um, and, and by most standards, it was. Um, I was born in Indiana. Uh, we lived there for a year. My parents are the best parents I could have ever asked for. And the older I get, the more I realize that, you know. Uh, we were talking at breakfast how, how we were with our parents and how I was as a teenage girl, and I put them through hell. I put them through everything, and we'll get to that later on, but the older I get, the more I realize, and especially being a mom now, I, I couldn't believe I ever took my parents for granted. They, they did an amazing job. So I don't think I ever grew up in alcoholism. Um, German, Catholic, Irish family, everybody drank, of course, you know. And when I was younger, I didn't know what drinking was. It was just everybody sat around, holidays, got together, drank. Some might have drank a little bit more. Everybody looked like they were having fun, so that's cool, you know. Um, my sister and I had fun. We lived in Kansas. We moved to Kansas uh, when I was a year old. My sister was born there. There's not a lot to do in Kansas now that I look back, but we had a good time. We, we had, like Keith mentioned, he had a great childhood. He grew up you know, with a bunch of neighbor kids. We did the same thing. Um, and it's funny, I was thinking this morning um, how he talked about not feeling like he ever fit in or there was just something not the same. I felt the same way. I just, I don't know. It's, um, I never felt like I fit in. And I felt like I constantly had to please everybody. And that'll, I mean, that's, that's common in Al-Anon. People please are for sure. Um, even at a really young age. So I felt like I constantly had to do things that m would make people like me. Um, I always kind of felt like the little oddball out. My sister is 18 months younger than me, and she was the overachiever of the family. Um, so, <laughs> you know, my parents, she got good grades. She was smart. Um, she did just, she did everything. She was athletic. Um, so I constantly had to be that that child that had to make up for that. Um, so, you know, we still had fun in our childhood. It was wonderful. Um, we had a lot of friends, but when we, when we got a little bit older, 
um, we moved around a little bit. My dad moved jobs, and so I think that's where I kind of realized that I, I didn't fit in, especially when we had to move to a new area. Um, because you had to make those friends over again, and that was the hardest part. My sister had no problem. You know, she, 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 just, she would fit in everywhere. She would make friends and just have such a good time. But when we moved, that was the hardest part for me. And I never realized that until I came into Al-Anon. Because I always wondered why, why I constantly feel like I had to people please and control and, and those things that we talk about when we do step work. And I could never pinpoint to where I felt like that, that started. And now I realize by doing step work, that it was when we moved to new places, I had so much trouble trying to fit in and making friends. And that's hard as a kid. It really is. Um, and I did the best that I could. My parents, we moved because of jobs and stuff like that. So um, it, it was difficult, but, you know, I tried, to, I tried to do the best I could. And it's funny because um, I was talking to my sister the other day, and she has such a good memory. She can remember all these things from childhood. She can remember, um, you know, places that we went, birthday parties we went to with, you know, friends' houses and outings with family members as a really young child and up until now. I can't. I cannot. And I always struggle with why I can't remember. I don't know if it was because I didn't enjoy my childhood because we, we had everything we wanted. I don't know if it was because I struggled trying to fit in. Um, but I can never remember the things that my sister brings up. And I hate that to this day. You know, I try to, I try to do the steps and work the steps with my sponsor and, 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 you know, talk about as much as I can from my childhood. And I can't remember a lot of it. So, um, you know, that's something that I'm working on today. And hopefully I'll figure out why. But for now, I'm just, you know, hoping that it's not because something bad happened. But I'm thinking it's because I just... I just had a hard, I struggled fitting in, you know, and I still, I still do to this day. I feel like I constantly have to fit in and, and people please. But the more I work my steps, the more I realize I'm just going to be who I am, you know, and that's, that's the easiest, best thing. But anyway, we, um, we ended up moving to Louisville. Um, we stayed there for about six months. So we, we were in a school, in a new school in Louisville for about six months, and then we moved again, and that's when we moved um, out to, well, we moved from, Kansas to Louisville. We stayed there for six months, and then we moved out to Spencer County. So my parents still live there in Spencer County, Kentucky. It's um, just southeast of Louisville. It's a really small county. Um, so we went from living in, you know, a nice neighborhood with lots of kids to literally the country. Um, I didn't know what I didn't know what the country was. You know, I was nine years old. My sister was seven, and. Um, that was, that was the best time. That was, we just had a blast. Um, we lived on a little farm. Now, our farm was only 12 acres, so that's small in Spencer County compared to everybody else, had hundreds and hundreds of acres. But we had miniature donkeys, we had goats, we had all these different animals, and it was just, it was awesome, you know? I felt, I felt comfortable on the farm, you know? We just, we had a lot of fun. Um, and we ended up going to a couple different schools, so then again, we had to move, you know, schools. So I'm, I'm constantly trying to make new friends, and, and try, I'm trying to figure out where I fit in. And at that age, it's, it's the time where you really have to find a group of friends and have a group of friends, and I didn't ever make that strong group of friends. Um, and so 
we ended up going to Catholic school. Um, and at lunch or at breakfast this morning, we were talking about, um, you know, children being naive, some children being a little naive. And when I was younger, I was naive. I, think, I don't think I was sheltered from things that were going on around me, but I didn't want to be a part of things that were going on around me. So, um, like I said, I never grew up in alcoholism. I, my parents drank, but, and they might have drank to excess a couple times. I mean, you know. That's normal. That's typical. But I, I never had active alcoholism growing up that I knew of. Um, I knew my family members on my mom's side um, struggled with alcoholism and drug addiction, but I didn't know that until I grew up and I got in the field. I just I thought there was I thought they were sick. I thought there was something wrong with them. Um, my uncle came to visit us on the farm from Chicago, um, and I didn't remember this until my sister brought it up not too long ago. And he was stumbling around, acting crazy. And I just, I didn't know what was wrong with him. I was younger, you know. I, unless you grow up around it every single day and you're around it, you, you don't know what, what that is. Um, and it wasn't until he passed away that, and he passed away of a drug overdose, that, you know, you put two and two together and you realize, oh, okay, he was a, he was a drug addict all, that, all those years. Um, you know, same with my aunt. So there is, there's addiction and alcoholism in my family, but I never, it never directly affected me every single day. Um, so we went to Catholic school. We made, I finally kind of made a group of friends. Um, but I always, I was the kind of girl, and I know I hear it a lot, but I was the kind of girl that got along with guys better than girls, you know. I always said, oh, the girls are so catty. The guys just don't care. And I don't know if that was a coping mechanism or I just didn't want to get g- close to girls because... You know, I don't know why, but I always fit in with the guys. I wanted to be one of the guys because they just kind of, you know, kicked you around and made you one of the guys, and it was just comfortable. Um, and I don't think the girls like that at all. So again, in high school, when you get in the Catholic high school, it's, um, you know, you're trying to fit in. I fit in with the guys, whatever about the girls. And I dated here or there, but I just kind of stayed away, you know. And I knew that people drank, and I knew that there was drugs, but I, I didn't know to the extent I, I was naive. And I, I liked it that way. You know, I was, I was okay with that. Um, it wasn't until, let's see, I was a senior in high school, and I knew college was coming. I knew I would get my freedom then. Um, my parents didn't have a tight leash on me. They were awesome parents. They didn't have to give me a curfew. We lived in Spencer County, went to school in Bardstown, um, so you have to drive 30 minutes to get home on country roads. So I never drank and drove home. I, I just, I never partied. I never went out. Um, I just didn't feel like I wanted to do that and drive, have to drive 30 minutes home at nighttime, you know. And I didn't have a lot of girlfriends, and I didn't want to stay at their houses, so I just went home. I think my parents were kind of like, whew, thank God, you know. <laughs> we don't have to worry about that one. Um, but they did, they, they got their fill later on. Um, so I... Um, I finally started dating a little bit in, in high school, but it was like, whatever. And then um, I met this one guy, and he was the typical bad boy. And I'm like, okay, this is, this is I like this. Um, he was, I don't, I wouldn't say he's my high school sweetheart, but it was a relationship that was on and off for a little bit in high school. And so finally, um, I graduated high school, and... Um, 
I did a little bit of drinking at the end because everybody else did. I'm like, you know what? I'm getting ready to go to college. I know what comes to co- you know, I know what happens in college. I'm going to just have a little bit of fun. And so I drank. I went to a couple parties at the end, and, and that, was, that was fine. But um, I graduated, and then I ended up going, getting accepted to the University of Kentucky, which is like, you know, that's awesome. I, well, that's the only college I applied to. That's the only one I wanted to go to. You know, I didn't know you had to apply to a bunch of different colleges and hope that you get into one because my grades weren't the best. But thank God I got into UK because I didn't have any other backups. Um, and college is just what you do. My parents are like, you're going to college. And I'm like, okay, you know. They paid for it, and I feel bad now. And I, I kind of messed around, but we'll get into that later. But um, there wasn't any other option, and I didn't have any other plans. So it was like, off to college you go. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I, I just kind of floated through high school. You know, I just made it through. And um, so went to college. Um, and joined a sorority, and um, drank a lot, and found my freedom. And I'm like, this is terrific. This is, you know, everybody's having a good time. People still make it to class. They they go out to parties. We have have all kinds of date parties where you get together with other sororities, and I'm making a lot of new friends, and I feel like I fit in. Like, this is cool. Like, rushing for a sorority, my parents really wanted me to do it. And I'm like, okay, I will. And that's when I actually started to feel like I fit in in a group of girls. And they were wonderful. They welcomed me. I mean, it's, it's a whole other experience. It's very, it's very great. Um, so I felt like I finally fit into a group of girls. I could be myself. It was comfortable. Um, but then, of course, in college, there's all those opportunities to drink and have a good time. And I did. And um, like Keith, I, I forget what your GPA was your first year. One point something? Mine was a 1.7 also. So, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) you know. Um, And my parents were angry. I mean, they were paying for college. And I don't blame them, but I was having such a good time. You know, and I didn't have a car, I don't think. I don't think I had a car at that point. So I couldn't come home, you know. So I had to stay on campus and just get the most out of college, out of my first year of college. And I think I really did. Um, And then... My parents were just like, listen, the fun's over. You need to really get back into school or else we're not paying for school anymore. And my parents, um, I was talking to somebody this morning. I think it was Marlene. My parents were really great parents in the fact that they let me learn my lessons. um, And I learned them generally pretty quick um, because I had a fear of, like, disappointing my parents. And that comes along with constantly trying to please or feel like I, I was just as good as my sister so even though I like to have fun, I kind of, um, I had this fear of disappointing my parents. Because I, I told them, well, they told me that I disappointed them several times. So um, I, I had a big fear of that, but I still managed to disappoint them several times. Um, so they said, you know what, you need to buckle down, go to school, and, and really get your stuff together. And I did, but I still never put 110% because I had so much fun in college. Like I said, I fit in. I need to, I need to keep being part of this. Um, so I went to class every once in a while, and um, I ended up getting back with that bad boy. He ended up showing up in Lexington. Um, you know, when I was a little older and mature, and I drank now, and I was having fun, and it's like, I'm a different person. You know, I kind of have my... 
I gotta have my, you know, confidence going on, and, and I'm in college, and he was a year or two older than me, so when he went off to college, I was still in high school, but I'm, I'm in college now, you know, and I drink and I have a good time. Um, so we got together, and we stayed together for a while, and that was my first encounter with an alcoholic relationship when I did not know it was an alcoholic relationship until I got an Al and on. Um, it was, uh, he drank a lot, and I drank with him because he's my boyfriend. That's what I'm going to do. Um, and the drinking got worse, and I drank to keep up with him because that's what our friends did. And if I didn't do it, then I would just be sitting at home alone. Um, and it, it's so funny because, like I said, I never realized it was an alcoholic relationship because in college I was never around, or before that I was never around alcoholism. I didn't know what alcoholism was. Um, I just thought it was absolutely 100% normal to drink a ton in college. That's what, you, that's what college kids do, right? I mean, we see it on TV. You hear about it when you're in a sorority. Even when you're not in a sorority, you go out, you party. That's college party time. Um, or so I thought, you know. I look back and I'm like, no, it's a time for academics. And I, if, I could, if I could change anything, I'd go back and be like 110% in school. But, you know, you can't do that. So I still graduated, though. But um, it, the drinking got worse. It was every night. I, like I said, I don't know how I made it through college. I can't. I have nightmares to this day about, like, I literally can see myself in, in a nightmare, being in one of my classes, and nobody else is in there. So I show up when nobody's in there. And then I have nightmares about missing class constantly because I miss class. But it wasn't because I missed it. It was because I didn't go. I was hungover. I... I I needed to be with him instead of going to class. I needed to be with my friends instead of going to class. School. They just were living in Lexington. So I really screwed myself on that because I feel like I had to be a part of this group instead of... My priorities were very messed up. They were very messed up. Um, and the drinking got worse. Um, and I was controlling, too. You know, I felt like... The first time I found out he cheated was when my control factor went over the edge. It was just, I needed to do everything that I could so that he wouldn't cheat on me. I needed to do everything I, I, I could so that he wouldn't drink and cheat on me. Um, or be aggressive, or be abusive, or be anything like that. Um, and, and it got to the point where I never felt good enough because he kept doing those things over and over and over again. But yet I stayed with him. Um, and it just, it was such a vicious cycle. And I feel like sometimes, you know, we do the step work and we, and we talk about that kind of stuff. And I feel like I still, like, tend to suppress a lot of the memories with him because they were so bad and because I'm still resentful, you know. And I know those are the things that you work through in the step work, and that's the beauty of the program. And I can't wait to get to that point where it's, like, done, you know. I'm doing my part. And I can let all that go. And I'm, I, I can say to this day that I'm still working on that. And it wasn't more of, it's not resentful towards him. I'm more resentful towards myself that I blew a lot of opportunities in college. Because um, I can't blame him. You know what I mean? I can't, I can't blame him. I'm the one that was in this relationship just as much as he was. And I could have said bye at any time I wanted to. But my um, people pleasing and my controlling and my need to just fix somebody um, 
was just so strong. And, and it got to the point where I can't say he made me feel this way, but I felt like I didn't deserve anybody else. And I can't be without him. And it's emotional abuse and physical abuse and psychological and all this stuff. And <clears throat> at the time, I didn't realize it was that. Um, I was just in this sick relationship, and it was tunnel vision. And it was, it was hard to let go. I was in college. I spent a lot of time with him. I ended up kind of floating away from my sorority sisters, even when they were telling me, he's a, he's a bad dude. Um, my friends were saying, he's cheating on you, he's doing all this, and I still, you know, I had earplugs in. I'm like, no, no, I don't know what's going on, huh, I'm fine. Um, you know, and it's just silly because you look back, and I'm like, I talked to some of my friends, I'm like, I know what you're telling me this whole time, I should have listened to you, but I was just silly, you know. I was in a relationship that was unhealthy, and I was just as unhealthy as he was. I can't put the blame on him because there's, it takes two to tango. Um, and so my, school, my schooling just kind of went to the side for a while. And, um, you know, we, we got into a lot of trouble together. You know, it's like Bonnie and Clyde. I remember being in the back of a police car, and he's joking around saying, oh, we're like Bonnie and Clyde. And I'm just like, seriously? Really? Really? Both in handcuffs in the back of a police car. Like, we're Bonnie and Clyde. Okay. I won't, I won't get into how that happened, but I got into some trouble, you know? And it, it's just, that's not who I am today, and I know that. That's just not who I am. So I don't know what it took to get out of that relationship, but... You know, it, it eventually ended, thank God. I don't know how, because I remember being in a relationship, constantly going back and forth thinking, there, it's, like, it's like there's two of me inside saying, you need to get out of this because this isn't who you are. You don't need this. This is bad. You know, your friends are telling you it's bad. And then there's something else inside of you saying, um, you can't get with anybody else or you can't be alone. What are you going to do? What are you going to do all day long? You know, you, this is the only relationship you're ever going to have, and it's too late to start over, even though I was younger. And it's like, you know, all those things constantly go back and forth, and it's, it's so hard to explain how that is in a, in a very, um, well, I'm sure there's, you guys understand it. I mean, there's, it's just a constant battle in and out, and I don't know if it was prayer. I don't know what it was because I never had a relationship with a higher power back then. Um, I don't know if I said some prayers. I'm just like, God, please help me. What do I need to do? But I got out of that relationship. Um, and it wasn't like a sudden get out of it. It was I moved, and he still wanted to follow. He still wanted to text. He still wanted to call. He wanted to show up. And I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I know I, I, know I need a fresh start, and I need something new, and I just can't. This is not how I want to spend the rest of my life. You know, I'm out of college now, and I need a I need to do something, and I can't keep putting myself in this kind of abuse. Um, I remember being in college, and I had never talked about this really with a lot of people before, but, you know, being in college and showing up to work, and I have bruises on myself, and people are constantly asking me, what's going on? And they know, you know, and I want them to know, but I don't. Like, I want help, and I want somebody to just pull me out of it, but at the same time, I'm so embarrassed, and it's, it's just a constant battle inside. It's kind of like when Keith talked about his head, you know, constantly going all day long. I can totally relate. It's, but it's, it's the committee inside saying, you need to do this, no, you need to do that, and I don't know what's right and what's wrong. I don't know, you know, where to go. And thank God for Al-Anon, because I can actually have people guide me where I need to go, you know. 
And um, they're not telling me what to do. And they're just saying, well, maybe you should think about this. And I never had that before. I never had that luxury. And I feel, I feel blessed to be able to have that. And I, I don't feel sorry for people who don't have a 12-step program. But, I mean, wow. How lucky are we? It's, it's amazing. You know, I, I just never thought I would be here to this day. I'm so grateful. But I ended up moving to northern Kentucky. Um, well, after college, I ended up moving at home for a little while because I didn't know what I wanted to do. I graduated um, UK with <laughs> a degree in agriculture economics and a minor in business. What the hell am I going to do with this degree? What am I going to do? An ag econ major? I didn't want to work on a farm. I loved it. I loved the farm, but I had no direction. That's, you know, I, I got into that field because I was going to do business, but my GPA was too low. So somebody said, well, why don't you just do ag econ? I loved the college, and I, I was able to do amazing internships, but I had no, even, I remember graduating from college, and I was so excited, but then I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? It, it was terrifying. So I finally got out of that relationship, and I felt like it was a new start, a fresh start. And um, I moved up to northern Kentucky, and I ended up getting, uh, my friend said, I work at a drug and alcohol treatment facility. Um, you should apply. And I'm like, ooh, that sounds kind of neat. You know, that would be, I could help people. I love to help people, you know. That's what I do. You know, I failed at the last relationship. Couldn't help him. Couldn't even help myself, but I love to help people. You know, maybe I can do this. Um, so I applied three times. I had three interviews. It was um, so I was living at home in Spencer County and I had three interviews in northern Kentucky. And I had to drive up there two hours there and two hours back three times. And, um, and it was an interview within the same company. And my boss, who was, you know, obviously then hired me because she said she loved my southern charm because I said please and thank you and I sent her a thank you card. So I got something out of college. And um, because I talked about our donkeys. So... But no, she, um, she truly saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And I am forever grateful for her today because that's still what I do today. Um, so I got hired on as a drug and alcohol treatment, um, well, as a counselor. And I didn't, again, I didn't know a lot about drug and alcoholism. I, you know, people drink. Okay, that's cool. I, <laughs> so she took a chance on me, and I have never learned so much in my entire life. Um, I have been with the company for six and a half years. It might be a little more than that. And it's a, it's a whole new world. And I can help people in a healthy way. Um, at first, when I first started, I wanted to, I wanted to cure everyone. I'm going to fix everyone who comes in these doors. So it was a drug and alcohol treatment facility. Um, the court systems would bring people in who had to attend treatment. And I'm going to fix them. They're going to stay sober. This is going to be great. And um, that didn't last very long because I learned a lot very quick. <laughs> I can't fix them. They're not even listening to me, you know? <laughs> what, are, what are they doing? What is wrong with these people? I have such good information. Why won't they listen and take it? Why are they going back out there? Why are they relapsing? I don't understand this. And coming from somebody who was in Al-Anon, who, so untreated Al-Anon, um, dealing with young women who um, are not ready to get sober, I wanted to pull my hair out. Like, I could have just, I was like crawling to my skin. I'm like, why can't I control these girls? I don't understand this. Why don't they get it? They should be listening to every single word I have to say. I was so delusional. It was hilarious. Um, and I can, still, I can still be that way today, but I'm, I'm a lot better. 
Um, but thank God these girls put up with me because I have a lot of them that come back and say, thank you, you helped me a lot. And I never even thought I did anything. Um, but when I finally um, got a little bit of Al-Anon education, I kind of let my guard down a little bit. It was hard. Um, but it's so funny because I look at everything and it's like, everything literally happens for a reason. Um, I can't believe I'm standing here today talking to you guys and talking with you guys because I just, I can't believe I would ever be here. Um, anyway, so I worked at the drug and alcohol treatment facility for about a year or so when I, um, got an Al-Anon. Um, my friend... She, she talked to me one day. She was the same girl that was working at the drug in a different facility, but kind of suggested the job. She said, Katie, I, um, I think I want to go to Al-Anon meetings. So at this point, I knew what Al-Anon was because we had Al-Anon um, meetings that would come into our facility on Sunday for the women. And the family was asked to come. So they would show up, but it was mainly for the women um, of the facility. And so I had an idea of what Al-Anon was. And it's, you know, she said, I need to go to an Al-Anon meeting because my mom is struggling and I'm, I'm struggling with this. And I said, you know what? I'll go with you. We have Al-Anon that comes into, into our treatment facility. I said, I need to educate myself. It, it would be great for me to be able to have more information to help these, these girls, right? It's strictly for the girls. Um, so I'll go with you. So it was October 8th of 2010. I, um, First Christian, um, went with her to just strictly support her, you know, and get my education. And uh, I was sitting in the meeting, and there were a good amount of people in this meeting. And I was just like, okay, I'm checking everybody out. This is good information. This, this feels pretty good. And then they kept talking about um, controlling, and this is what my alcoholic relationship looked like, and this is what it felt like. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that sounds familiar. And the more and more I listened to that meeting, I'm like, oh, I think I was in an alcoholic relationship. But I don't need Al-Anon. No, I wasn't in an alcoholic relationship. I just, you know, I'm here to support her. And so I kept going back and forth in my mind, like, I know I'm here, but do I need to be here? And by the end of that meeting, I knew that I needed to be there. I knew I needed to be there. Because as much as I thought that I could help somebody and I'm perfect and I have all this knowledge on alcoholism, I had no idea. I had no idea. And at the same time, they were talking about we need to focus on us and not on the alcoholic. And I was like, oh, okay, I do. I had so much stuff going on still from that relationship in my head. And it wasn't from that relationship. It was my own damage. You know, I needed to work on me. I definitely needed to work on me. And that's what it's all about. You know, what am I going to do whether, whether or not the alcoholic is drinking? I need to focus on me. Um, and so at that time when I went to Al-Anon, I was dating Keith. And um, in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, you know, I'll go to because I'm dating a sober alcoholic. He had been so, I, I've never seen him not sober. So, you know, it's, I'll go, I'll go. Um, and it was good for me because I feel like even though Keith was sober, I needed this to be the best person that I could be in this relationship today. And he had talked about how this was the healthiest relationship. Even before I came into 
Al-Anon, this was the healthiest relationship I had ever been in. And I was not used to that. Just like he said, I expected, you know, him to treat me like dirt. That's what, that's what you do in a relationship, right? That's all I ever knew. I just knew that you just don't treat somebody 110%. Why would you? I mean, come on. So when I, when Keith and I got together, it was just like, I was mind blown. I'm like, he treats me like a princess. This is, what's up? Like, what's the catch? You know what I mean? No, there's got to be something more to this or it's not going to last long. Or, you know, Marlene would always say, I'm just waiting for him to give me a bill and kick me to the curb. You know, <laughs> nice spending time with you, but see, I'm out of here. Um, but deep down inside, I knew that he was the one. I knew it. I mean, how could you not let go of something that was so healthy and, and felt so good and, and natural and you didn't have to force anything? You didn't have to force your feelings. You didn't have to force... I didn't, I didn't have to pretend that I was somebody that I wasn't. I felt like I could act like a complete fool, and he loved me. And that was just like, wow, you know, I do deserve this. So I think in Al-Anon, continuing to come to Al-Anon, it helped me to focus on me so that I could bring the best self that I could, not only just for me, but to the relationship. Um, you know, and in a relationship, when I was in my alcoholic relationship... I put 110% on that person. You know, my focus all the time went to him, and I forgot who I was. It was so hard. I think it was um, when I was in an interview, and I know they asked the questions like, what are your hobbies? What do you like to do in your free time? I couldn't tell them that. It made me so disappointed that I could not say what I like to do. I had no idea because 24-7 I was with the alcoholic. I was... I have to make sure that he doesn't drink so that he doesn't do this. Or I have to make sure that he's behaving over here so he doesn't do this. And it was just like, or I have to make sure that I look pretty so he doesn't do this. And it's just like, I, what, what do I, I didn't get to do anything. I don't, I don't have any hobbies. I, don't, I couldn't tell you what I really like to do, you know, what my favorite this was. It was just like, I, was, I lost who I was in the process of this relationship. Again, not his fault, completely mine. You know, I could have said, see ya, here's your bill, kick you to the curb. Um, but that was something that I chose to stay in. And, you know, now it's time, especially now and on, to focus on me. Who am I? Who is Katie? What do I like to do? And I'll tell you what, since I've been in Al-Anon, I've never had so much fun. Keith and I go to, on vacations twice a year. Um, I do service work as much as I can in Al-Anon. I've done so many, I could tell you all kinds of hobbies right now. And that is the best feeling in the world. It sounds so simple. But it is the best feeling to be able to say, this is who I am today. And I am very confident in who I am, and I know who I am. It's, it's almost like I was soulless before. I didn't do anything. I was on autopilot. I didn't have any purpose. I left college without knowing who I was, you know. And I just know I needed to fix somebody, you know, and control somebody. Because that's where I got my power. There's a hobby. I like to control. You know, I could have told them that back in the day. But thank goodness I didn't, because they'd probably be like, <laughs> We're not hiring you. Um, I don't even remember what I said in the interview, to be honest. I probably made something up, but <laughs> I like to play with my donkeys. You know, I don't know. But um, so I ended up keeping, I, I came back to Al-Anon. I kept, I kept coming back because I felt good. It made me feel good. The women were so nice, um, just, just like we are here today. It's just everybody was so kind, and it was genuine. It wasn't fake. It wasn't. It wasn't a facade. It was just beautiful. And I hadn't, I hadn't experienced that in a very long time. 
Um, so the funny thing is, I ended up staying, and my friend ended up, she didn't, she didn't come back. And I was just like, well, I like it. I'm going to keep coming back. You know, usually I would have been like, oh, my friend's not coming back. Okay, I won't either, you know. Um, but I was like, you know, I'm going to do this for me because I really enjoy it. And I feel like not only am I learning a lot, but I'm learning a lot about myself and about other people and how to have genuine relationships. And it's not about control and manipulate and what can you do for me and I'll do this for you. That's not what it's about. Um, it's about genuine friendship and love and service and kindness and a relationship with a higher power, which I never had. Um, I mean, I, we ended up going to Catholic school. My parents put us in Catholic school, um, me, when I was in the sixth grade. That's when we went to um, school in Bardstown. And so I, uh, you know, I was like, okay, church, church, got to go to church, you know, just like a robot. And I think if I would have put more into it, I would have got more out of it. But I was just like, my parents are making me do this, so I got to do it. Um, and so I never thought about a concept with a higher power then. And I still, at the beginning of my Al-Anon experience, when I first came in, I struggled, and I still struggle now, but my relationship grows on a daily basis. And the more I hear you guys talk about your relationship with your higher power, the stronger mine gets, because it's just, it's, it's amazing to hear that, that, that commonality and all these things that we have in common. And, and it just makes me excited about being able to pray and to talk to God every single day. Um, but that's something that me and my sponsor worked at together because I always had this vision of this is who my higher power should be because this is all I've ever known and I wasn't comfortable with it um, and so for her to just say well you know what your higher power can be anything you want to be anything you want it to be and I'm like really are you sure I, that doesn't sound that's not right but the more I hear people say that the more I'm like okay I can do that and I created my own vision of my my higher power my higher power for me to help me out and be with me every single day. And that's cool. That's, you know, I'm never alone in that aspect. Um, so I kept coming back, and I eventually, after I drug my feet for the longest time, I got a sponsor. And um, it, it was just, it was so funny how it happened because I had always, um, you know, I, I listened a lot. You know, why would I want to talk and interrupt all these beautiful people who are, talking, I'm just going to listen. I was just scared to death to talk. You know, I didn't, I, why would, I, I can't talk in a meeting. They're going to laugh at me. I'm just this girl who has no idea what she's talking about. And, you know, so I never talked in meetings. I would just listen. And I would always listen to Marlene talk. And I'm like, gosh, she's just like, she's so witty and charming. And she, I want to be that way. She's just so confident. And, you know, and I've always heard, you want to pick a sponsor who you feel like you want to, you want to, not be like, but you want those qualities, and you, and you admire those qualities in somebody. And Marlene just always spoke so freely and beautifully, and, and it just came from the soul. And I'm like, dang, I want to talk like that, you know? I want to have that confidence and just be able to speak what's on my mind. And um, Keith and I were actually, you know, he proposed. He told a story last night. He proposed, and we were going to get married in Florida. And um, I was at a Friday night meeting, and I'm like, I need to ask. I really need to. I've been dragging my feet for way too long. These people keep talking about step work. And they talk about sponsorship. And I, I can't do the steps on my own because I'm never going to get them done. You know, I'm just going to say I did them and I didn't do them. And I, I need to ask um, somebody to be a sponsor. And I'm like, Marlene, for sure. And Keith was like, are you going to ask Marlene after the meeting? Are you going to ask Marlene after the meeting? I'm like, yeah, just, I will. Okay, gosh. You know, I'll do it. And um, 
I didn't know Marlene that well. I didn't know Marlene and Dick that well. I knew Keith had known Dick for a while and Marlene. So um, they were coming to our wedding. And um, I'm like, that's cool. And so after the meeting, I'm like, Marlene, oh, gosh. That's, a ner- that's such a nerve-wracking thing. And, like, when I was in, working in a treatment facility, it was easy for me to tell my clients, no, you need to go and get a sponsor. All you got to do is ask them. The worst they're going to do is say no, you know. And I can sit here all day and be like, oh, it's so easy. But then when I have to do it, oh, my gosh. My hands were sweating all meeting, and I'm sitting here like, oh, my God. You know, I didn't even, I don't even remember what the meeting was about because I was like, oh, gosh, I got to ask Marlene to be my sponsor. What if she says no? She's going to reject me. Oh, my God, this was awful. You know, just kind of like how it was before this meeting. I'm like, oh, my God, i got to speak what I'm going to say. And everybody's like, are you nervous? I'm like, no. <laughs> Not nervous at all. Um, you know, and so, of course, afterwards, I'm like, Marlene, I don't even remember what I said. Will you be my sponsor? Or, I, you know, I really like what you say. Or I said something like that, you know, <laughs> trying to butter her up like she's going to be like, no way. Um, and Marlene's like, sure. I was just praying about it. You know, I was praying that I get more sponsors. And I'm like, whoa, that's cool, you know. <laughs> Just like that, she goes, oh, by the way, we're coming to your wedding. I'm like, oh, that's cool, too, you know? So it was just like how everything worked out. And after I got done, you know, just like with talking, after you get done, you're like, whew, I feel like I'm on top of the world. This is great. I got a sponsor. You know, little did I know you got to start step work. So it's like, oh. You know, I thought the hard part was done. You know, I got a sponsor. That's cool. I don't even have to call. I can just say I have a sponsor. Marlene's my sponsor, guys. You know, I have one. No, that's not how it works (laughs) if you really want to work a program. But, um... after that, I just felt like I had my foot in the door and I could really start working on me, you know. I I know that I'm going to commit to this program because this isn't just like a one and done or six meetings and you can decide to ask for your money back. That's, you know. So, and, and I don't, I can't speak for Keith, but I feel like when I went to those meetings and I continued to focus on myself, it... It only enriches relationships, you know, or at least my side of it. Keith, I know, he, work, he works a program, and he, he works on himself. I work on myself, and it just it makes the relationship work even better. Communication, they always talk about communication being a key in a relationship. That, for sure, you know what I mean? And I feel like an ally helped me to communicate better. I was so scared to talk. Now I feel like I can talk and speak my mind in a non-controlling, non-manipulative, for the most part, um, <laughs> healthy way. And that is such a beautiful thing. Um, so we ended up getting married. Amazing. Um, Marlene and Dick were there. So much fun. And can I please tell you that I have never experienced a more beautiful thing. Of course, it's our wedding. I mean, it's going to be amazing. There were so many people there, family and friends, of course, but so many people in A and Al-Anon. It was, it was my entire family. It was just, it was a spiritual event. And that's all I can say. Like, it was just magical. And I could have never imagined that I have so many friends in AA and Al-Anon because of the program. Friends, family. I mean, that's exactly what it was. And to see everybody, people drove from Kentucky down to Florida, so many people. It was just, they got to experience the place where we love. And we all have this, we all have this one common denominator going on. And it's just like he said, you can, you know, you're in camouflage, you can walk down the street and, you know, you see, you see the people that are like you. That's, it was everybody like us together, you know, and it's just an amazing, beautiful thing. Um, yeah, I just, it's, it's hard to even explain. Pictures don't even do justice. It was just, everybody was together. It was beautiful. Um, and so I, the more I get into Al-Anon, the more 
um, I realized that I needed to do service work. My sponsor was a big advocate of service, and the first thing I did was chair a meeting. And oh, that was even that was even more scary than asking somebody to be my sponsor. Um, and so, I feel like it was we went to Frisch's maybe before I had a chair a meeting, but I was telling somebody in AA, and this guy's a he's a hoot. He you know he's just straight he's a straight shooter. And, I, and we were sitting down eating, and I said, oh, my gosh, I'm so nervous. And he's like, why are you nervous? I said, I have to chair a meeting. And he just blew it off like it was nothing. He's like, that's not a big deal. I don't know why you're so nervous. And I'm like, you jerk. This is, I mean, I remember talking to Keith. I'm like, I don't like him anymore. And I, I you know, I didn't really know him. I just knew he was a And I was like, how could he? He's an AA. He doesn't even know. I mean, that's just, like, he's never chaired a meeting before. But I was so nervous, and I was like, that jerk, I can't believe, I love him to death today, but, you know, starting out to chair meetings, big deal, best feeling in the world. The first time you have to give a lead, oh, oh my gosh, I can't even explain it, I'm going to, I had to give speeches in college, and I couldn't talk, like my whole mouth would fill up, and I was just like, I mean, it was just like, it was a disaster, and I'm like, there's no way I can talk in front of these people. They're not even my classmates. I can't tell them this personal stuff. What am I going to do? Amazing. I just, it's all these steps that you take in Al-Anon to work your program. You just feel like you're climbing this mountain, and it, it's, it's never ending. It's just never ending. And that's why I never want to, I, I never want to forget, and I never want to stop coming because I feel like this is it. You know, this is all I can get out of the program because that's not the case. I'm constantly learning something new every single day. Every lead I hear, every meeting I attend, every step study group I go to, it's just you come out like, okay. You know, you realize something else about you, and it's, it's amazing. Um, so I started doing a little bit of service work, and then we ended up starting um, some step work, a step study group, which was fabulous. And we got so far, and then things happened. And so that's the one thing that I am still working on in my program is finding time for step work. Um, Keith said, you know, we, we had our beautiful little, our baby boy eight months ago, and whoa, that's the toughest job I've ever had. And um, it's also the one job that I've had that I've realized that I need Alan on more than anything. Um, whoa. I'm a stay-at-home mom, and I never thought that I would be. My career is my life, so it's like, that's my identity. I can't let that go. And then when it was time to go back to work, I'm like, I can't. You know, is this a controlling mommy or is this just mommy? But I can't let this little boy go. Nobody's going to treat him as good as I do. That daycare, oh no. No, sir. Daycares are just fine. You know, people put kids in daycares every day. I, no, I am not going to. I can't do it. I've been raising this boy for 12 weeks. They cannot do a good job like mommy does. You know, so, you know, that came back out. Um, so we, we very, I mean, I'm blessed. We had the opportunity for me to stay home. So, you know, I, right before, about, about a week before it was time for me to put my notice or go back to work, I went in and my, you know, I had to go talk to my boss. I'm like, oh, gosh, this is awful. They just gave me, they gave me a promotion or they offered me a promotion to be a director of the treatment facility. And I'm like, oh, God. Knowing in my mind I'm going to put my notice in, I'm like, this is awful. You know, people pleaser still comes out. And I'm like, I'm trying to, like, find in my head how I'm going to make this work. You know, can I be a director? But my kid's going to have to go to daycare, and then I'm not going to, I'm going to have to work extra hours. What am I going to do? You know, here goes the brain again. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And, I, you know, I talked to a lot of people in Al-Anon. 
I talked to some people in AA, and they helped me make my decision. They didn't tell me what I needed to do, because that's the beauty of the program. They don't tell you what you need to do. They give you suggestions. They give you options. They give you choices. They say, what about this? Think about that. They help you make your own decision. I ended up deciding to stay home. I turned down the promotion, um, and I said, I've been very grateful for everything that I've learned, but I really, I need to spend this time with my son. Um, you know, I don't, I'm not going to get this time back. Now, I say I need a, I, I really need my program because being at home um, by yourself for a while is a little very isolating. I wasn't going to meetings as much as I could get to. Um, my program slacked big time, but I saw it in me. And I'm sure Keith could see it in me too. <laughs> Every day he would come home from work and I would be like, ah, oh, I want to pull my hair out. You know, I, I can't do this. It's so hard. Uh, you know, I'm, and you feel a little bit isolated. And, but the good thing about the program is people would call me, even though I was awful at calling people. Um, they would check in with me. I made it to meetings, talked to my sponsor. I got help. You know what I mean? I still, even though I couldn't make meetings because of my son, I still talked to people. I still got my books, and I tried to read literature and talk to people, and it was just... It's amazing when you're away for a little bit and you realize how much this pro, how much you need it. You know, I, I became controlling mommy again. It was bad, and I realized that, and I apologize. <laughs> I mean, it was I was almost a nightmare for a while because I knew how I I stay at home with this boy. I know how to do everything. Now I know there's a fine line between mommy. Mommy knows, you know, mommy knows. But then control Katie came out, where I wouldn't let Keith do things. You know, because I know how to do it. I know how he wants to be put down at bedtime. I know, I know. And I became this monster. And it was like, whoa, I need to get my butt to some meetings because I can't keep doing this. I'm mommy, he's daddy. He's not mommy, mommy, daddy. You know, he doesn't need two moms. And I could just, it was, it was God saying, hey, let's get you back because we need to get you reconnected with the program. And I'm so grateful for that. And I'm so grateful that I was able to see that in myself because, I mean, I know everything, right? I know. I know. I don't. I have no clue. So I got connected, got um, back in the program, and got hooked up, you know, with Marlene again. And it's just been, it's just been amazing. You know, I, I hadn't been to a meeting in a little bit because of Caden, and I stepped back in those rooms, and it's like I didn't even skip a beat. Hey, how are you doing? It's so good to see you. How's the boy? It's, it's like I never even... You know, I wasn't gone for that long, but it was like I'd never even left. It was just, it was just heartwarming, and it was new. I, I knew it was exactly where I needed to be at, and this is exactly why I continue with that because the people are just there for you. It, it's, it's, it's beautiful, and so, I mean, I've, I've learned a lot, and it's, it's been a challenge to um, do the step work and really kind of take a look at all that stuff that happens. Um, and I'm still growing, like I said. I think there's, there's a lot of stuff that I still need to do. But if we weren't constantly, if I wasn't constantly learning and growing and it came to an end, then I'd never need Alan on it. That's not what it's about. It's about, for me, learning something every single day and how I can be the best person I can be, whether the alcoholic is drinking or not, whether or not you know, I can control this thing, whether or not, you know, it's, I, I'm going to, I'm not a perfect person. And I'm, 
I constantly need that growth. And it was funny. I told Keith this morning, I have this app on my phone. It's called Time Hop. And it goes back and it pulls all these old posts um, and pictures and stuff from like Facebook from like one year ago, two years ago, three years ago on that date. So today, on this day, five years ago, I had written on Facebook um, something about, well, apparently I can't please everybody and I'm never going to be able to please everybody. And it was so funny that it popped up today. And it was five years ago, so it was before I was, it was maybe, I guess, about like six months before I ever got an Alan on. And I said, how ironic is that? At that point, I realized that I'm not going to be able to please anybody, and then six months from there, I'll find Alan on. You know what I mean? And it was just cool, because I still, I still struggle with that to this day. I, I you know, I, Keith, he has to come home, and he'll have to say, you need to just go take a break for a minute. Because if I don't get the laundry done, if I don't get the dishes, if I don't take, oh, I didn't do something right with Caden. Oh, my gosh, I don't look like this perfect, you know, there goes that whole old thinking again of trying to be this perfect people pleaser, you know. Oh, I didn't call this person. I didn't do this. And, you know, it's like I constantly have to be doing something. But that's not the case. I'm not perfect. And that's what this program shows me is you do the best that you can every single day. And we're going to love you no matter what. And I, I, I love that. And I'm very, I'm very grateful. And I hope that. I can continue to grow in the aspect of building my relationship with my higher power, building my relationship with my husband, with my son, with myself, first and foremost. Because that was the one thing that I got really out of this program is the relationship with myself is the most important. Because if I don't have a relationship with myself that I'm happy with and I'm comfortable with and I know who I am, how am I supposed to take care of everyone else? You know, that's what I had been doing all these years is trying to fix, manage, control all these situations. And I had no control over myself, and I had no idea who I was. Um, and so I've learned so much in this program, and I continue to grow. And I feel like I've grown so much every single day. And I'm very grateful um, for all of you guys. Because talking to you and spending time with you helps me to learn a lot about me also. So thank you guys so much for allowing me to speak and listening to me. And I hope you have a good rest of the day. Thank you guys.